Welcome to Those Who Do Podcast, a podcast about people, their passions, their vocations, their interests, and their lives. I'm Zach Barclay, here with the Ernest Hemingway to my R. Crumb, Tony Forsmark. Suzanne Francis is originally from Long Island. She's a writer of books known for Disney Princess Beginnings, Onward, the junior novelization, Moana's Big Leap, Frozen 2 Family Game Night, and many others. She's also known for television. She wrote for Unhappily Ever After with Bobcat Goldthwait, with a little bunny, Mr. Floppy, and an original screenplay, Wieners. <laughs> Wieners. She joins us to talk about her life before Los Angeles and how she ended up across the country working toward her goals, her influences, parenting teens, and the different creative processes involved in writing for different mediums. Her roots are in comedy, and it shines through in this conversation, full of chuckles, insight into the creative process, and the reality of trying to make it in the entertainment business. This is Those Who Do Writing from Frozen to Wieners with Suzanne Francis. Incognito, what are you doing? What did you do? <laughs> Bring our little girl home. I still like meeting Long Islanders. I gotta mm-hmm. say, I had to. I wanted to get out, but when I meet them out here, we're like, we yeah. have that thing, you know. <laughs> I would say it's probably the same for Midwestern people. Like you bump into a Midwesterner, you can tell right away. Like you're like, where? How many tornadoes have you seen? <laughs> and that connection is more meaningful when you're not there, right? You're there and you're like, whatever. Yeah, I'm like, I hope I never see another one of you people again. <laughs> I'm done with you. Guys. <laughs> How are you doing? Can't get out of there fast enough. Yep. Sometimes it includes my kids. <laughs> like, oh, I want to be I away. No idea what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I it's... needed a reset after. Can, are we heard by children? No, God, no. Um, or those, you mean real children or like. Children on the internet. No, like the oh, real, real children. children. The, the, the 13-year-old girl. Her hormones are very difficult. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, I got to get, I got to go reset. I have to go talk. And it's like, it's like you, you hear horror stories and you're like, yeah. Oh, we live horror trash. stories. Wait till, yeah. wait till, <laughs> wait till you get there. Why, how old are your kids? Oh, uh, which ones? Uh, 26, 23, uh, 10, and 7. The mm-hmm. two girls are 10 and 7. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you have a wide range. Yeah, but, yeah. but the girls are ten and seven, okay. so he hasn't gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I know, I know exactly what it's going to be like because I know my youngest, <laughs> and it's she's seven, and I'm terrified of her. <laughs> she's a horrible little person. She's bad, bad. She's mean. She bosses us all around. I'm not going to have to worry about her like taking any guff from anybody her entire life, though. Maybe she's getting it out now. Oh uh, yeah, or, that's, or uh, it could yeah. get doubly worse. It's going to get worse, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you're like. Oh. It's 100% going to get worse. It cannot, yeah. I, uh, Boarding school is a very... <laughs> uh, it's, One I mean, of the things I Googled brought that up, because of course I'm always Googling, like, daughter, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> One of the things I <laughs> called up some, like, I was like, they still do that? People still do that? You want your kid fixed? Like, send them <laughs> Take them here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 uh, like, I think uh, Paris Hilton wrote a book about that. <laughs> oh my God, imagine if she looks through my history. <laughs> private tab private tab incognito is your friend (laughs) truly is Uh, just ask jack (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. like how do you know how to do that what are you doing what are you googling incognito (laughs) why do you need that Um, why do you need that your christmas presents (laughs) (laughs) okay well welcome uh, to another episode of those who do we're joined today by writer suzanne francis uh welcome suzanne thank you hello so I don't know how much Tony has told you about the format of this uh, 
conversation because I know that a lot of people get a little nervous when they come on a podcast because they think it's going to be an interview and it is 100% not going to be an interview. Uh, I think just the few minutes uh, that we've been talking prior to you know, Tony doing the formal mm-hmm. opener uh, is more similar to what it's going to be than anything else. Okay. It's a conversation. And the, the title of the show is Those Who Do. And it, that implies that the, f- the main focus is going to be about what you do for a living or what you, whatever, if somebody has a hobby or something. But it's, that's not really uh, honest. Like the, the main focus is you as a person and how your childhood, your, your past, your current life inform what it is that you do because you wouldn't be hired and brought on to do the writing jobs that you have if you weren't you. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 people lose sight of how important individuality and personal experience are in hobbies, jobs, things like that. So really what we're wanting to do is kind of get to know you. So we're going to start, you know, I always, I always joke and I forgot whatever anybody's name is. I was like, okay, well, where we're going to start is we're going to start with little Susie. Little Susie. When little Susie was five years old. Little you know Sue. what I mean? Little, little Sue. Sue. Little yeah, Sue. Little, sounds, Sue little, little Sue would have punched you if you called yeah. her little sounds Susie. Sounds like little Sue might uh, have some shared <laughs> shared experiences with uh, the, the struggles grown up Sue is having right now. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Just a little. Just payback. A, you know what they Oh, it comes back to dinosaurs. Yep. Um, So, I mean, that's basically where we want to start. You know, where are you originally from? I'm from Long Island. Okay. Um, Syosset. Where's that? Where's that? Nassau County. Okay. Okay. And home life as a child, nuclear family, divorced parents. What did you have going on? Yeah, no, it was pretty um, normal as, you know, normal is. Yeah. Um, I was the oldest. So I had a little time with just two parents, and mm. then my sister came along, and then my brother. How much time between all the um, kids? My sister's three years younger. My brother's seven years younger. Okay. So pretty standard, yeah. like r- yeah. reasonable, responsible parenting choices so yeah. far. We got yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, did your folks stay together your whole childhood? Yeah, they did. Are they still yeah. together now? My dad passed away, like, it's been... Just seven years. Uh, and what did they do for a living? Were they creatives? My No, they were not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they loved, my mother specifically loved going to the theater and, you know, sure. was very into that stuff. But neither of them did anything. And my mom did, well, my mom did like, um, she loved gardening. She loved, so she had creative output yeah. and hobbies and mm-hmm. stuff. But for work, she was a nurse. And my dad um, sold cars. Oh, okay. And then later in, in like, I'm trying to think how old was I when so, they So changed. dad had a little performance yeah, on a oh, day-to-day basis. Yeah, he was basis. definitely, yeah. he, was a very, he was a very good storyteller, yeah. very, very charming and fun to be around. And he was, he was, uh, he had that, you know, like he had that people person. Right, right. Um, and, and my mom too. But uh, then they ended up, my mom ended up starting a business, a uh, jewelry business, I think, so she could be home more with kids and stuff. And, and my dad ended up, like, hitching on to that. Um, he was a little bit infamous for, like, she has an idea, and then all of a sudden it's hit, you know, like, ah, like yeah. Greek wedding, like, this is, we're going to do this. Like, after it's already, she established yeah, it. So doing it. Look what we did. <laughs> so he stopped with the cars, and he, and he did that. So, so they were around a lot. So that it became like a kind of a from home family business. Yeah, from okay. I mean they would they would go like they had a store for a little while, but they did better with um, 
like traveling basically. So they would go do like an office has, they want to have like a, what do you call it? Like when they have all different vendors that come and they sell stuff to the employees. Oh, sure, sure. So they would have some, you know, they would be one of the vendors at the, at the place, at the sale. Almost mm-hmm. like a career fair, but for vendors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So was the jewelry, was it stuff that they made or they bought no, and resold? No, they bought and resold. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were both very business minded. Sure. I, I wish I had a little more of that in my blood because I feel like that's lacking. <laughs> but they were both, you know, they were business people. They were, right. they were good at it. Right. So they're basically, for all intents and purposes, working from home. Um, you and your siblings are fairly close in age, reasonably. Um, you lived on Long Island your whole life up to 18? Yeah, I went to college in Ohio. Okay. Um, Where'd you go? Ohio University in Athens. Oh, okay. What, what prompted the move to uh, that choice? So I knew I wanted to do... Music, theater, or film. And mm-hmm. I wanted a school that had those three things. Oh, and Bobcats, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and I wanted to get out of New York. Mm, wow. Okay. I really wanted to get out of New York. W- why? Just, I, I felt like high school was like a little bit of a challenge. Middle school was very challenging for me. Yeah. High school was a little bit of a challenge. And I really felt like I want to see what else is going on in the absolutely middle school was it challenging like socially yes. or academically yeah so socially. the the junk that all very middle tough school for me people, were, yeah, were, were you a bookish writing yeah yeah person? i was journal i was always journal you know journaling since i was very uh-huh. little mm-hmm. making movies in my basement like not a lot of nights out right mm-hmm. in what? high school and stuff so it was it was like I, I wanted to i knew that everyone from my high school was going to like suny schools the state right. university mm-hmm. of new york and I was like, I don't want to go to SUNY school. I don't want to go to 13th grade. I want to go see something different. Right. So. And I guess that would be kind of the way, because I, I know that's true. A lot of people go to SUNY if, if they're in the, the area. You know, it's kind of what's kind of neat that we've we've kind of been noticing some commonalities between all the creatives we've talked to. And there's junior high school being tough, you know, and and how important the arts, what an important part the arts have played and people finding their people you know, and, and, and finding that spot where they fit. And then the other thing that keeps coming up is imposter syndrome. Oh yeah. It's unfortunate that a negative thing for me, being able to talk to people that have similar interests as I, I do, I'm, I'm looking to be like, Oh, we are all that similar, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> these are our people. Um, and it's kind of refreshing to know that everyone has similar challenges and, and it wasn't just like, because I grew up in the Midwest or because I didn't really know who my people were in junior high. I mean, I had no idea who I was in junior high school. I didn't figure out who I was until three years into college. You know, I didn't do any creative stuff until I was 20. You know, I never written anything, never been in a play, never done any stand-up. Like, it wasn't, I was completely lost well, until like I the world found, opened when you yep, were. Yep, I mean, yeah. I did it. I wasn't an athlete, but I ran a lot away from people <laughs> trying to beat me up. <laughs> you know, like, I was yeah. a bully's wet dream. Like, Aww. it was it was bad. But but it's it's kind of refreshing to see, like, look, I wasn't alone. I just didn't know it at the time. Right. You know, so we see all of the similar people. Did you settle on, on writing when at, at Ohio, or was it uh, you, you just... Did the smorgasbord and then went out in the world and decided which one? So in college, I took an advertising class, like Mm. a copywriting class where we were doing commercials. Like we were writing little short little commercials for radio and for television. Mm -hmm. And I like loved it. Like I just was like, this is so cool. Like it's it's all shrunken, you know, shrunken down. Like it has to be short. It has to hit it right. And I liked um, even like coming up with the slogans and stuff. Right. Like that was the first time where it was it was something directed toward 
okay, this is this is definitely. But I didn't love selling stuff. Like right. uh-huh. so, that was the part I liked. The fun part, like I like <laughs> trying to think of these fun ideas for whatever you were trying to do. Right. And I mean, when I when I look back to like when I was a kid, I was always doing that. Like I I was making up stories. You know, I had my video camera and I would, anyone who came over, like, want to make a movie. Okay. W- these are the costumes I have. Let's do this. What do yeah. you think of this? Let's Fantastic. do like making up stuff. Just fun, so you know, fun. just being creative. Fun. And so that led to TV and film writing. I took a playwriting class in college. I loved. So it was like, but that was really the springboard that started directing it, it, it super specifically. Yeah. yeah. You the, know, the advertising, I, yeah, copywriting I, would lead to creative right. writing, which it is creative. Right. Because I yeah. never took another advertising or copywriting class. Yeah, right. But I knew from that, I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, I want to try and do these write scripts. And mm-hmm. like, and did you do any of that when you were in, in still in school? Did you write your own oh, scripts yeah. or at least oh, yeah. shorts? Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Ever hear of obsessive aggression? <laughs> It's so awesome. I have it like I have the script and it's like, remember those letters you could like rub on? I like did that on the cover because it wasn't like <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be big. <laughs> um, but no, but that and that was it's funny because it, oh, it's yeah, it's 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 a doozy. But the teacher said to me, and this is one of those things like teachers have such an influence, right? When mm-hmm. you're when you're in a class, the teacher said, you certainly have an aptitude for writing dialogue. He said, look, so that really clicked for me, too. I was like, sure. which is not oh, easy. I'm like, I'm I like know that. good at this. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and then playwriting. I took that playwriting class and that was different. That was a lot more like creative, like touchy feely. Like he had us doing stretches and okay. then close your eyes and imagine who's on the stage. And so it was very, very open. And I loved it. It was fun. It was like, you know, you could just do whatever. And I mean, it, the stakes were so low, right? You're, right, right. <laughs> you're, you're young. And but even at that time, though, I, I know, because so you're like, this is, this is I'm going to make something important here in college. You know, yeah. I mean, even though it's fun, you're like, they have never seen this before, <laughs> right? I don't know. I tried to, like, I definitely tried to think in, in like, comedy. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. my stuff to be funny. But I don't know if I had such high expectations. I, I think I just enjoyed the process of, like, imagining, like, these people are on stage and they're talking to you. And what are they saying? And who are they? And who are the characters? And just write it. He had us just write in class. And then we would read if we wanted to. And at the end of that class, I ended up taking it a bunch of times because he worked with the actors and it was so much fun hearing actors read the stuff. Right, like yeah. that was the first time for me where I was like, oh, that's so cool. Hearing your words come yeah. out of Yeah, other and people. like yeah. what they did with it and like, oh, it sounds like real people now. It's not just in my head, <laughs> <Right>. you know? <laughs> it was cool. Well, and that's why table reads are so invaluable for yeah. writers in, in our industry. It's just, yeah, it's like, oh, I thought it sounded like this. Or, and, and either, yes, it does and it yeah. works or, oh. That doesn't sound right. Like it doesn't work. Or, I mean, of yeah. course, the best thing is it, he made it even funnier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's like, that's even funnier than I, it was in my head. Yeah. Well, and comedy is great, too, because you get that immediate feedback. You yeah. know, like with drama, you, you don't know for sure until somebody right. tells you, like, wow, that really moved me or whatever. But with, even at a table read, somebody's going to laugh mm-hmm. if it's right. funny. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to be holding back. And like, we're not allowed to laugh here. Right. You know, so comedy right. is, is like that immediate gratification. Or if you do get a laugh on your drama, then you're like, oh, oh whoops. <laughs> that is not how I meant that. <laughs> so how'd you get to Los Angeles from there? So the the screenwriting and the playwriting, and I eventually like 
then I started writing spec scripts still in school. Like I wrote like a Friends or something, or I think it was Friends in a Seinfeld. And I really wanted to do sitcoms. Mm -hmm. And my advisor was like, I was set to like move to Manhattan with a friend after college. We were going to go away to college, graduate, and then we were going to move into the city together, you know. And he was like, you know, if you really want to do it, you got to go to L.A. At the time, I mean, there wasn't really much in New York other than like, yeah, I mean, you could do Saturday Night Live or Mm -hmm. uh, Daily Show or, you know, things like that. But there wasn't sitcoms. So and you weren't looking to get hooked on cocaine or speed so you didn't want to go to saturday night live and <laughs> so i uh i did it i just i mean now it seems crazy to me right you were not alone and then most of the stories were all just like well we all just decided to come and we did it and, and we did like, it yeah because the vast majority of the people we've talked to aren't native they're not from here right you know so when you did decide okay i'm gonna go what did that look like? Was it you by yourself? Was it with a friend? How it did you do me it? By my, so so it just seems so crazy to me. So I had to call my best friend and like tell her I'm not moving to the city, which was terrible. That was part one. And then it ended up being that another kid at my college was planning on moving to Hollywood. Uh-huh. And so we, were the, we only knew each other. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm going to get a moving van from, he was from Ohio. He's like, I'm going to get a moving van if you have anything at school that you want to put in. And then we can, maybe we get a place together for the, whatever, the first few months. I'm going down there first. So I got lucky because I was like, I decided that to do this. Lucky. How was yeah. I going to, uh-huh. I, I went there without knowing anybody, without a car, you know. So um, he, he, <laughs> He, he took some of my stuff, you know, stuff from my dorm that I was going to bring. And, um, and I feel like he was out here maybe for two months before. I worked my final summer camp as a counselor at the camp that I worked at mm-hmm. every summer. That now, I see, you kind of buried the lead on that. So you were a camp counselor. Yes, I was a camp counselor. What type of camp? Uh, it was a day camp. Yeah. And uh, we did a little bit of everything. But I, so I did like... I taught, I, I put on shows sometimes yeah. at the camp. I was in charge of that with the kids. And the like, entertainment director. Yes, we did fine entertainment. I even, t- I taught dance a couple summers. <laughs> Not a very good dancer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, entertainment. But so I wanted to work that final summer. Plus I need the money because I moved here with like nothing. Right. right. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. yeah. Especially when you're coming from nothing. You're like, I don't even know what money I'm going to need. Exactly. Yeah. I just like come with as much as I can. Yeah. yeah. So I did that last summer and then I... Moved to Hollywood by Rock and Roll Ralphs. Mm. Um, lived there for a few months with with the guy that I mentioned from school, and then turned out an old friend that I had grown up with in Syosset was living out here. I didn't even know because huh. we had. She was a little bit older than me. We had gone years without talking. You know, my mom ran into her mother at the grocery store on Long Island, and she was like, "Suzanne's there," and so we hooked up, and then we ended up living together. So. Seren- you know, serendipity lived with right. her. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. great. It was great because I don't know. I mean, really, when I logically think about what the heck, I, I can't even believe my parents were like, sure. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, what, what were your what was your parents reaction to? I'm I'm going to need to L.A. now. I don't think they could say anything. I, no, sure. I, yeah. I also it's funny because when I was younger, like when I was a kid, I because of the movies in the basement, I liked Hollywood. So I was like, I'm moving to California when I grow up. So maybe in a way I like warmed them up a little bit, even though like that didn't really happen until, you know, later. But so, yeah, I, I, I did it and I can't believe I did it when I think about it now. 
I guess when you're younger, you just kind of aren't as worried. Right. Yeah. Because you don't know what the ultimate consequences can be. You know, you haven't lived enough to go, if I do this and it doesn't work, here are the 14 terrible things that can happen to me. It's just like, nothing bad's happened so far. I'm doing a good job. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. It was like, uh... and I did hear, so this, here's another story. I had some people like once I started, you know, meeting people heard about a lot of people they move out for a couple months and then they leave Mm -hmm. and probably four months goes by and i still don't have a job and i'm like what am i doing and i called my dad and i was like i think i'm just gonna come home and he actually said it's only been a few months like don't you think you should wow which is crazy because i was the oldest right and they Mm -hmm. you know i was very like i wasn't the kind of kid who was doing out and taking risks Right, right. You know, I was in the basement. I mean, what was I doing? So, and he was like, and I know my mom was probably like, (laughs) but it was, it was, that conversation was why I stayed. I wouldn't have stayed. I don't think. I think I was too freaked out in that moment. I was like, forget it. Well, it's it's overwhelming to come out here. I mean, it's it's not like all of a sudden you're in this big welcoming community. Everybody's out here doing the hustle, trying to get their thing. And sure, you might find be lucky and find some people early on, but still it's, you have to go out and find it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. especially if you didn't come with anything, you know, uh, same, like, same as you, I had nobody out here. I mean, and so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's daunting once you, you know, it's like, uh, you're a couple months in and you're like, this is not quite what I expected. And yeah. Even finding that first job, I couldn't find a job. Like I didn't think it would be so hard. I was trying to get jobs at restaurants, but I didn't have any experience. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, like, looking in the back of the Hollywood Reporter and Variety for all these crazy jobs. I had an internship for this agent that, <laughs> but it, was, it wasn't paid work. Like, that's uh, what I, you it's know. It's an internship. I mean, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. So yeah. It, was, uh, it was rough. It was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to, got to pay rent. I, I can't imagine how, I, I bet it was hard for your dad to, to tell you to stay. You mm-hmm. know, because, like, it, I, all I can think of is, like, you want your kid to stretch their legs and to and to extend themselves a little bit but like for me i'd be like we're on our way to come get you exactly i but for him to get my little girl and yep, it was just yep. good for him to be like nope i'm gonna suck it up here and i'm gonna tell her stay out there a little bit longer i bet that was like turmoil mm-hmm. for him I bet it was yeah really, and really he wasn't fun. it was he he it was it was cute because he was like you sure it's only been a cut like he yeah. wasn't like no you should definitely stay you right, know right, but right. but he was definitely putting the doubt like right. so he Gave me the space to right. figure it like, out. No, I want to stay. And then he hung up and he started crying. Yeah, my mother probably beat the shit <laughs> out of I was going to say, your mom was probably like, <laughs> what did you do? Bring our little girl home. <laughs> so uh, what was your first uh, writing experience out here then? I mean, as far as uh, paid work, say. Okay, so paid work? Because I had another internship. I, I, mm-hmm. I worked okay. it. So I got hired at the theaters downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, the Amundsen and the Taper, I was uh, fundraising hmm. and very bad at it. Very, very bad. Well, you, you have to call you, people. You, you you're love like, sales. You hey, say. how's it going? You know, uh, it's, it's Suzanne from the from Center Theater Group. You know the Amundsen and the Taper. Yeah, how's it going? How's it going? Um, it's that time of year again. Like, I'm so bad. And, but I did that and it was a job. And actually, that's where I met Wes. Mm-hmm. So I met my husband there. That They had a theater department. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to go, you know, I'll work in the theater if I can't get a job. And television was like... I was I was trying to do it. It wasn't nothing was happening. Um, I got that job. 
I interned at the theater department there, which was cool. Mm -hmm. You know, just like reading a lot of scripts. And so that was fun. Because they do a lot of first runs at the center. Yeah, yeah. And, and they have different programs and stuff. And so that was really cool. But in the background, I'm trying to get my first TV gig, which I assume is a PA from based on my research. I'm like, I have to get a PA job. Nobody wants to hire me as a PA. And I find this, uh, there's an ABC program for like some kind of writing program or mm -hmm. something. And I call the number and I get the guy. And he was super nice. And he was like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to, you know, I, I want to get a job on a TV show. I want to write sitcoms. Well, have you tried to get a writer's assistant job? What's that? So he mm -hmm. told me, he was like, you know, PA, it's tough because um, they like to hire guys because you got to deliver late. You got to carry big things. Carrying, he's telling. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, but writer's assistant, that's really what you want. And maybe, you know, maybe you get lucky. Try it. So I go through those lists. They had these lists in the Writers Guild. Um, mailers or whatever where you could call the production office of every show and i get you know some fax numbers and i fax my resume sure. um but the one place uh was the show called unhappily ever after with uh bobcat yeah and the puppet <laughs> yeah the mr puppet. floppy yeah yep. um they hired me as a writer's assistant and it nice. was totally weird yeah. like people were like how'd you get this job and I just, you know, I faxed my resume. It just, the timing worked out where there was, there was a couple of writers who wanted to hire their own assistant. Mm -hmm. So it was like one of these things where they were going to have an additional person and they got to choose who they wanted for whatever reason. Oh no, they, you know, they called me in because my resume was like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it was the only one they got because what was on there? Uh, Camp? I don't know. Um <laughs> I mean, you were writing it's cat camp, <laughs> but um, but they hired me, so I was I worked as a writer assistant on that show, and it was very different than any other writer's assistant job I had because it was very old school. The guys who ran that show were like did it like they wrote in the room; they didn't have anyone in the room with them. So it wasn't a writer's room. It was, but the writers were in there, not the assistant. Okay. So the writer's assistant mm -hmm. sat outside in the other office and waited for handwritten stuff. Mm. So oh. it was it was old school. But it was great. I mean, it was, I was psyched. But less educational than if you'd been able to be in the room. But um, yeah. It was, but at the same time, I got to be on set. Right. I got to see the writers pitching, you know, on set, on show nights anyway. And it was, it was great. And I did that. I ended up going back. I did two seasons there. Uh, and they let me pitch and I got to write an episode. Fantastic. Well, there you yeah. go. There, there the you second go. Second season. Yeah. 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 Second so, season. That's that's no small feat. Right. Yeah. So that was really fun. I and I did it with one of the other PAs. Like they said, if you guys want to pitch together, you know, if you if you get a, an idea that we like, maybe we'll let you write it. And they did. So that was that was amazing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely took advantage of the situation. You learned what you could from what was going on and turned it to your advantage. Which that's a very impressive skill to have is to take the positives from a situation that may not be what you're looking for mm -hmm. and then turn it to your advantage and do something with it. That's, I mean... Yeah, and you know, I mean, this is one thing I always tell people when they ask me, even though I don't work in TV anymore, I haven't in a long time, it's always like, I worked my ass off. Like, I worked so yeah. hard. Mm -hmm. If you work hard, then maybe, you know, you'll get those opportunities. Like, I think those guys knew that I was always there. I wasn't, like, you were phoning it in. Mm -hmm. 
but it was it was uh, it was very lucky for a first job that was really lucky oh yeah it sounds like yeah you landed great because um, then i worked on plenty of other shows where that didn't happen okay sure. you know so then you start making your network your writer's network right and so was it easier to find yeah yeah it was like at that time um and i don't know how it is now but at that time getting on one show and doing a job well enough that they want to hi- you know those producers want to hire you again you kind of you're you're on in the in the zone mm-hmm. so there's so many people who would say oh these people need like i didn't even have to look for a job right you're in the circle of trust and and yeah for an assistant job anyway sure right. Right. i mean <laughs> yeah. you know but like you said some people can't even get into that yeah right. you know and there's a lot of waiters out there you know, yeah. that that wanted to, to do stuff like that and it just didn't work out for him so wow that's yeah and i did do a little bit of that before i got hired i did end up getting a job at a restaurant i got fired actually the first day <laughs> it really did oh do tell i um i got hot i was so happy they hired me and they're like oh we're having an orientation today you can come back perfect what time one o'clock okay great whatever it is right so i leave and i'm like i'm just gonna hang out in the area i don't want to get caught up in traffic you know i go back and there's no parking. And the chef to the restaurant recognizes me. I was just in there. He's in the back helping me find a spot. I show up like, I'm not kidding, three minutes late. And they fired me because oh. they said it, they feel that it sets a bad precedent. So I was fired. Before my even, even my first shift. <laughs> and that is also an anecdotal, uh, anecdotal evidence of people think, oh, come out to L.A., you know, just be a waiter, do a thing. It, it's <laughs> not that it. easy. It really isn't it. that easy to, to be just no. like, yeah, because there's the, you know, well, you, yeah, it, the it, flexibility it, that those jobs can offer mm-hmm. is also like everybody wants that. Yeah. But, but it also speaks to that uh, th- there's a competitive job market. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. They, they, they feel for you. They're yeah. like, oh, you didn't. And three I, minutes, you're gone. We yeah. find somebody yeah. else. I right. thought they were kidding. I started <laughs> laughing. And th- oh, no, they were too. serious. I'm like, I'm like, no, I. The chef was helping me find part. Like, I felt like, oh, but the chef, like, I was in with the chef, so I was right, here, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Back home, they'll have, they'll have somebody, like, not show up for three days because you're just not feeling it. And they're like, well, just get in when you can. Right. <laughs> because they can't find enough people to staff their places, you know? Yeah, no. So, uh, what caused you to fall out of love with the, that or fall in love with uh, more uh, narrative storytelling? So... I, so, okay, so from a writer's assistant, I, I started writing with a partner, and we sold a screenplay, and then we were pitching shows. Like, we were working for a few years together. We were able to, we, and he was an assistant before also. We, we left the assistant stuff behind, and we were doing it. And then I had babies, mm-hmm. and uh, he ended up kind of going a different direction. He wanted to be in, like, a different business. So between the kids and once the kids were born, like we were still doing a little bit, but I had started writing books. I I guess also I think about the camp counselor thing a lot because I always had this like kind of kid like thing Mm -hmm. that I was drawn to. And um, I started doing a little bit of that in the background because, you know, I mean, the thing is with writing for film and television, at least in my experience, it was like you get gigs and then you don't get gigs. Mm-hmm. And then you get gigs and you don't get so and, and there's a lot of 
work that you do that you don't get necessarily paid for. You know, we're developing, we're developing shows, we're mm-hmm. we're pitching, we're working on stuff, Writing but specs. Not yeah, unless yeah, you yeah. sell it will you mm-hmm. make right. any money. So I started doing this book stuff. I got the opportunity and it was something I always wanted was always interested in writing for kids. And what was that opportunity? My friend knew that I wanted to write for kids and she um had written a book for scholastic mm-hmm. um nonfiction. And she said, the editor, they had somebody who was working on a book and they fell through and they need a super fast turnaround. And are you interested? And I was like, yes. So it was um, it was a book of games. It was like perfect for the camp counselor person. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was like you were writing like in this like fun, light, cheerleadery voice, just like getting kids to play different games, do different things, creative. It was called How to Survive When You Think There's Nothing to Do. That was the series. And this was on um you know like games and magic tricks and all that stuff and so i did it it was super fast it was a lot of work but i did well enough that they asked me back and so i started working uh, writing a lot of nonfiction stuff for scholastic for kids like between the ages of like five and ten mm-hmm. did some books on like dinosaurs and snakes and all this crazy stuff and it was actually fun it was another like layer of fun in writing where I got to do research and like learn about stuff and then had to like translate it for kids and make but it But I, I can also see a, a, a parallel to like the advertising copywriting because each one of those little things about mm-hmm. each dinosaur is its own little story that you've... Yep. And you it know. has to be short, short, short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Simple, yeah. simple, simple. I like that. Mm-hmm. Like boiling it down. You know, there's something fun about that. It's boiling it down, but still keeping it interesting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. When it allows you to get in and out without you getting bored. Right. You know, yeah. Right. So I was doing that for Scholastic, and then one of the girls that I worked with there ended up going to Disney, and I got. Then I started doing. I started doing fiction with Disney. I didn't do any fiction for Scholastic. Scholastic. Okay. It was all nonfiction. And um, did that excite you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love like I. So I'll do for different you know stories based on films. I'll do retellings, which is like. Kind of like what we're talking about. Like, here's the story. Okay, can you write it for a five-year-old? Or mm-hmm. maybe you can write it for a 12-year-old, you know? Right. Adapting those stories. And uh, the other thing which I really like is, like, pitching stories on, you know, little external stories for these characters. Based in the world, but, like, based what can the they world, do? But what, what, what do they do beyond the movie? Yeah. 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 So, so almost kind of like, almost... I guess you couldn't call them sequels, but sort of the idea is they are kind of offshoot stories to learn more about what these characters have done and do. Now, when you do that, does does that stuff become any kind of canon or no? That's one of those tricky areas, yeah. you know? It's like, I mean, they, they approve everything, so right. they have to be okay with it. But I think if it starts going into that zone too much where it would impact a sequel, much, they're going to be like, like mm-hmm. too much original yeah. story. Too and scary. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't want to go there. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's like episodes, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it is, it's similar to like pitching on a show. It's like well, little episodes of this. But I mean, have you world. ever noticed any callbacks to your original works that show up in the further <sighs> uh, iterations of characters? I haven't noticed. Hmm? Yeah. So it's probably like, would this be fair? So, you know, you have trolls, for example, like, because they, all the kids were watching it earlier. And, you know, there's a Trolls TV series. Mm-hmm. All these different stories happen in the Trolls TV series. But then when Trolls World Tour comes out, nothing translates to that. So right. kind of the same idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay yeah. That makes sense. Now, yeah. how is it to, uh, to adapt all these characters? I mean, uh, do you find uh, anything 
specifically challenging when you make these original stories? The original stories. Yeah. I think um, it's it's fu- like it's both fun having limitations, and then sometimes it's frustrating mm-hmm. because it's not my world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's someone else's space. So it's fun because a lot of that is already answered for you, and it's like they exist. Right. There's no like, oh, would they do this? Would they do that? For me, you know, but for them it is. So they might say, ah, this character wouldn't say this. Right. And I'll be like, I think he would. But I have to, you know, I have to be okay with that. And and how often is that, is the back and forth pretty consistent, constant? I mean, are you giving them drafts uh, all through the process or is it like, we have a first draft, we have in a limit of four drafts or what? For the know? books? For the books. Yeah, it's very it's very clean. It's not like, because I experienced a lot of revisions mm-hmm. in the screen stuff. Right. But in the books, it's like, we do an outline, they approve that, I'll do a first draft. Usually I only get one set of notes. That's wild. And then occasionally, if there's another set, it, it's very minimal. Right. So it's... It's, it's not an overhaul. No. Yeah. Right. No. And you had mentioned something earlier, which I had never even considered, you know, that you write an adaptation for a, a, a specific group, five-year-olds, and then maybe something for a, a pre-teen or tween, and then maybe even a, a young adult version of a, a, a movie adaptation. How often for you do they say, do all three for us? Mm. Or they usually just give you one assignment and you just do that one? I have done multiple (laughs) formats for a film before, but I think age-wise, like I haven't really done anything beyond 12. Okay. That's kind of where like I stopped aging. Sure. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't want to be 13 again. So. um, So horrible. (laughs) It seems like everything's 12 and under, but I have done before, like, you know, the five-year-old and the 10 to 12, the five to eight and the 10 to 12. Now is that basically as part of the same assignment? Do you write two of them? So you're like kind of back to back or do you write one, you come back to it, get another assignment later to, to do the. I've gotten them at the same time before, but they're they're not like you know their due dates are are yeah. scattered. But. but how to like how tough is it to to train your brain to be like okay now I'm not writing for a five year old anymore. I'm... Um, it's it's easy for me because it's the format. Like it's okay. like if the five year old is a picture book, so there's going to be pictures. So I I get to like it, sometimes I'll get to create the art notes, not the I don't actually do the art, but like but what you're looking for, right, right? I get to write the little art note, like what do I want on this page? Right. Um, with the junior novels types of things, that those are like sometimes they'll have little bits of art, but it's not every page like it is for the younger ones so it it is different enough that it's like you're thinking in pictures what's the picture going to say what are the what's the text going to say so the the younger kid ones are probably a lot more like the dinosaur books yeah the younger kids ones a couple lines yes and that can be really hard yeah you know that's having a narrative in that that small form there's that sparse text thing like some Mm -hmm, you know it's like it is like a puzzle sometimes like you can't go off in description like you just have to it has to fit on that page with Art, so. so do you work very closely with the artist then in that situation I, or not? No, you just leave I your mean, notes and they fill it in however they yeah, want. Yeah. Because I mean, a lot on something like that, the, the pictures are telling a lot of the story because you don't have that much, right. you know, text to work with. Right. Huh. But the editors will come back like maybe, you know, they'll, they'll have a, an opinion about the art and the text, obviously, but like the art, they'll say like, maybe this should be this way. So, so sure. we'll, we'll work on the art notes before, but. Then usually, yeah, the the artist will just take it and 
just kind of fill in the blanks and as long as it fits the tone and, and right right that makes See, sense. See, the junior novelizations are what always impress me because you are within a certain structure, but you have to create all the visual on um, from your own language. Mm-hmm. And is that challenging or is it pretty, I mean, once you've seen it and you, you, you're able to translate that pretty quickly into your own verbiage. The challenge is that like, it's nice to see the, the finished film, but uh-huh. you don't, don't always, always get to. Yeah. Yeah. So like you would like to fill in like, you know, say there's a scene in some, you know, room in a castle that you don't know what it looks like. Like you want mm. to describe it, but you can't because you, you can't put something in there that's not going to be true. And if you don't right. see it, then so you have to be, you know, you can't really go crazy with that. Right. So, yeah. So that, that I, another thing I never, God, this is amazing. Like I love, I'm loving this because a lot of things that I didn't think of. So sometimes you're getting it. And writing the adaptation before the movie is even... You have to. Yeah, the books wow. come out before the films, typically. Oh, that typically. would be really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, because, the, I mean, the, the whole marketing aspect of it is they want the books to be as close to the film as possible because they're right. banking on, you know, kids liking the movie and then right. begging mom and dad for the book. And you haven't seen the movie. So if you're like, and the... The unicorn was the purplest purple you've ever <laughs> seen, and the unicorn's like chartreuse. Yeah, yeah and it happens. Oh. You know what? Supposedly it happens. I've heard stories where like they make enough changes, and it's just like, oh well, this is like a secret. You know, you, they can see what the film was before. They can have sure. an idea of something oh, that sure. was changed. And I think I, I just remember going back to Scholastic. I always remember growing up getting the Scholastic versions of movie books, and mm-hmm. you know. Did you you had those too, right? Yeah, I, I loved those. Book I know fairs. that was oh. yeah. I mean, that was the best day. Yeah, ever. it was like or Disney or going would have circling like, in the <laughs> magazine. The books you're getting yeah. so yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 Soon to be a motion picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then how do you know how it ends? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I bet there's all kinds of NDAs and stuff you have to sign. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you're yeah. getting endings and middles and. Tell me what Disney movie is coming out in two years and what the plot <laughs> yeah. is. Please, please. <laughs> I'd like to know the end. I want to do a, a Back to the Future moment and bet people money. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. That would be tough too. Gosh, it, there are so many layers to what you do that I certainly didn't even consider. And I, I'm hoping that people that are listening are like, "Wow, I didn't realize it was that." involved because it's wow like so many things i didn't even think about and it would have never occurred to me that like the book could come out before the movie even though i guarantee i've seen them on the shelves and yeah, just didn't no, pay attention right. yeah. yeah i mean because the advertising hype is already out there so you yeah. assume oh well it probably is out right well yeah. Right. yeah and to a point the book is then advertisement for the movie mm-hmm. you know so don't right. screw it up you might take yeah. a movie <laughs> so since a lot of your work is in generated ip do you find yourself like hungering and do using off time to just create something for yourself yeah i'm trying it's it's a cha- that's a challenge mm-hmm. that's a real challenge you know i like to work sure and i i feel like with the creative stuff i need a little space to do it like it's hard i, I am like and i feel like every writer i know is like this, like, I really like deadlines. Like, I need the deadline. Mm-hmm. It keeps you honest, keeps you I need. It's like that. it helps give mm-hmm. me that momentum. Um, so with my own stuff, even though I try to trick myself with deadlines, it's sure. not the yeah, same. But, but you know in the back it of your head. Yeah, really yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. You see, you got to get your husband and be like, hey, uh, on every Tuesday, if I haven't done this many pages, you shoot me with a rubber band gun. Yeah, it won't <laughs> work. It won't work. So I feel like... 
that's something too, like having, like you were talking about before with those existing worlds, like all the answers are there for me. Sure. So in a way I'm like trained to like, they're there. Like, what do you need to decide? Right. So I need to get better at making these decisions well, with my how, own stuff. And how does that work? You know, cause obviously you're writing for multiple IPs. What is your creative process to change? Cause your voice has to match the voice of whatever IP. Mm -hmm. you're in. What's your creative process to change your, your, your inner. Cause I always tell people I used to teach uh, a writing class and I always used to tell them like, look, your writer's voice is just as unique as your speaking voice, you know? Mm -hmm. So how do you change your voice? How do you do that? To do like my own stuff? Well, yeah, that or between the IPs. So, I mean, it would all be the same. Yeah, it would be a, a, a part of the same question. Yeah, how do you change it between the different IPs? And how do you then go, okay, I'm going to shut off. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shut Disney off and, yeah. and create. A, or if you're in Disney, how do I go from... The, the world and voice of Frozen to the world voice of, you know, some yeah, other. Yeah, I don't even know how to explain that because it seems, it, it seems, I don't want to sound weird, but it seems natural to me. Like sure, I, sure. I, I would, like, you've been doing it. You yeah, get, yeah. you get those, you get that world in, embedded in your brain and it's like, that's just what it is. Right. And that's a skill that you have that maybe other people wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. It's probably so. like asking Michael Winslow, how do, how do you go from an explosion sound to a the siren sound? He's like, I don't know. I just do it with my mouth. <laughs> yeah. You, know? Yeah. you know? Yeah. I think it's the characters. You know, it's like the characters that, <laughs> sure. that drive. Mm -hmm. And that's that dialogue thing. I think I just feel like I get. Well, and you were saying that, you, you know, you've had good feedback on your dialogue. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and that's, that's always been like when I sit down to write a screenplay. That's the worst part for me. Yeah. I, I, you know, plot and, and maybe hooks and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I'm like, I don't know if I can write because you talk dialogue. too much, Tony. I know. I know. <laughs> that's I can't what I did. So. My family was very loud. I did a lot of listening. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, well, that's what did probably, it. Probably, it's you're probably not far off because I'm so in my head and thinking of other things. I'm like, I don't know how other people talk. <laughs> so let's go back just a little bit in the process of writing the the adaptations and the. So do you get like a one sheet or something from the production company that says that this character is, you know, angry and doesn't get along with their sister. And then this is the way the story goes. Or do you just, do they give you a, a script from the movie? Yeah, it's or usually the work? script. It's just the script. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Oh, you're seeing a lot of cool stuff before everybody else then. Yeah. Sometimes I get to, you know, see a early screening too, which is cool. Like that that's would be been, That's helpful. been interesting. I, I do want to dive into uh, the theatrical mm. that you uh, were involved in. Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So that, I mean, that was a fun opportunity that came up right before COVID. It was like a, they were a Disney live show, but that, so that show ended up falling apart, but it was, that was the first opportunity for me to do something that was like live, you know, Is it like one now, of they the, record the voices, but, but it's, was it one of those adaptation shows? Like where it's the live version, it's like but Disney on, on ice. Yeah. Okay. So then that, that yeah. led to this Disney on ice stuff um, that I've been able to do. And it's been fun cause it's so different. And one of the things that I miss from television and film and working with a partner is that like collaboration like i'll i'll get to talk to editors occasionally occasionally we'll meet mm -hmm. and i love it but it's it's rare most of the time i'm just by myself right um so getting to do this live stuff has been really fun because i got to collaborate with the director and like we actually even met in person and did some stuff together 
Um, so that was really cool. And it's just different. It's like mm-hmm. something totally different for me. So you were actually writing the dialogue for the for the shows, these live shows yeah. that are going up yeah. and then and kind of the structure of them, basically. And then Yeah, some of it. I mean, some of it is like piecing together because if you've ever gone to one of the shows, it's like they'll use um, stuff, you know, from film. Like it's it's retelling. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. some of the stuff is just like scenes from film. And then right. there's like in between Interstitial stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's been fun. It's been something different and fun. But sometimes it's just nice to to do a completely different medium to like reboot yourself and mm-hmm. refresh. So yeah, I could see where it would be a lot and of fun. And learning about all the stuff that they do. I mean, the the theatrical aspect of it is intense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the pyro and the lights mm-hmm. and the, I mean, the, it's it's big. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. You know, Disney's probably not making a cheap show. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, that's a bunch of people that are essentially living the same life as you in the sense that they're trying to do service to the original yeah. stories as well, you know. It's, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So they get they get where you're coming from. You know, these actors are playing a, a character that already exists from another actor. Right. Yeah. So it's like you kind of have found your people there because you're all doing the same. <laughs> right. Trying to do the same thing and do it successfully. That would be fun. Be fun. So uh, we're not going to touch on a whole lot of this, but you know uh, the writers' strike is, exists, mm-hmm. and you're you're no longer writing for for television, but it, they do bring up good questions for all writers uh, about how to approach AI. I mean, I would think even more so in in your genre because they can, I mean, plug in stories, uh, right. existing stories. Uh, what do you see as the challenges going forward? As far as that goes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because I, I finally tried to put in some stuff for the chat GPT because mm-hmm. I hadn't I hadn't even looked at it. Right. And it's interesting to try. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. I mean, it's, um, you know, you wonder like how much, how much more is it going to, how much further will it go? Mm-hmm. It's going to improve. So, you know, you think of like creatively, there's obviously limitations, but. Yeah, creating new. Ollie has Ollie. a strong opinion Ollie. about Ollie. everything you're saying. Yeah. Ollie. <laughs> Can you come get Ollie? Man, he really doesn't like AI. There's a problem. Like, you know, they say dogs can sense he's, evil. Yep, he's warning us. <laughs> giving us the warning. He's like, ah, they're going to be robot it, dogs. And, and what, would he, what would he do if he got out there? What would he do? He wouldn't do nothing. <laughs> It'd be like loosen a squirrel it's on this. What? what is it? I was joking that it's um, second family because she's always off with oh. them doing something. I was like, well, she's gone to live with her second family now. <laughs> You're not directly involved with uh, screenwriting anymore, but we, we, so we've been talking a little bit about what I, AI may mean for your vocation. What, what do you? What do you? What are your thoughts? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's scary mm-hmm. you know it seems like it's pretty amazing what it right. can do you said you, you you've you've played around mm-hmm. with a little bit yeah a little bit i wanted to see uh, you know i had heard uh some writer friends said oh they put in like you know ideas for a story or whatever like see what comes up and it was it was interesting i mean i do believe that at least right now i feel like you know the human aspect is really important for yeah, things absolutely. <laughs> for for writing and communicating and right but um, yeah, I don't know well, how good in, will it get. In, in, in terms of especially generating original stories, I, I don't, I, I really don't know. But I mean, it seems the stuff that I've played with on ChatGPT was 
derivative. Right. Yeah. And so uh, as far as being able to come up with something clever and new, Mm -hmm. so far anyway, we're not there. But my my, my friend Tony was talking about his fear in the writer's room is they will shortcut Mm -hmm. and be able to get you know, a, a story outline, say, and then ha- have a smaller writer's room to fine tune the story outline. Mm-hmm. And then in that way, it wouldn't totally be replacing, but it would be replacing, replacing like half the writer's room. Right. Well, and, and so many things, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a photographer also, because why wouldn't I just do a bunch of things a little bit? And, <laughs> and you know, you see a lot of the AI, you can say, I've got a, a friend, a good friend who is probably one of the top 10 Photoshop artist in the United States. He's, a, he's amazing. Um, and you can literally type in, give me a, a knight with broadsword in the style of David Bird, and it will generate it. And you're going to go, that looks like David took that picture. That's, that's terrifying. You know, because if they could say, give me a, a crime movie in the style of Quentin Tarantino, and I mean, it'd mostly be fucks, but <laughs> like, you know, that comes mm-hmm. out and it has the same general feel if they can get it for a 16th of the price you know yeah we're, we're in trouble because yeah. I, I tried doing that to feed in i'm, I'm working on uh, something that i was trying to do and then so i started feeding in like uh give me an episode that does this but what i did find was i do that several times and i got many times the same beats mm-hmm. a lot of the beats that would come back and and verbiage that would be the same but the negative of that is like if they do it in the style of say mm-hmm. david bird david bird gets nothing right well yeah that's that's, that's the big yeah. problem well there's uh, there's multiple big yeah, problems that's right. <laughs> well, I mean, but, I mean, i'm saying that's the big problem is they've used david bird somehow they went out either and and got some of his imagery and trained it with that imagery it, or it has its own ability to go out and find that right but you know like well i don't need david bird his all his stuff is on the internet so now i can just pull uh, have my my computer pull it out and and bpt will just like create something yeah I mean, and, and, and playing devil's advocate, cause it's, sometimes it's fun. It, you know, you could also say there's people that will train themselves in the same style and then charge less, you know, actual people. So David Bird never gets any of that money either, but at no, least some person. No, exactly. You know, I guess you know? that's the thing. I mean, yeah. and, and you can blame the person for being derivative and, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, stand up stealing jokes. You mean like, oh, that guy stole that joke. Look, but every I, joke's already been written. Right. Well, I know. I'm, I'm just saying that's a notorious thing. Yeah, stand yeah, oh, up's yeah, like, that's yeah. my joke. But at least, yeah, you have a point. I mean, he, and, and he got paid. You know, somebody yeah. got paid. Somebody for got it, paid for it. Yeah, yeah. You can complain that, you know, you should pay me for what you got paid. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's, 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 it's going to be an interesting time for any type of creative writing. I mean, even like you were saying, uh, some of the stuff you were doing early in your career, these uh, ad copies mm-hmm. and or shortening for the scholastic books right you know yeah it's interesting i mean i it's and it it, it is it is a little scary mm-hmm. to think about you know what happens to to all these jobs that could be affected i talked to somebody about it a friend who was saying that he feels less scared because he thinks that the ai can be used to help all of us have more leisure time. He's like, mm. if it can replace certain things so that we can have more leisure time, yeah, we work too much. Sure, I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that's one way to think about it. I'm mm. like, but when you think about the creative stuff, it is, it's like, right. oh, shit. Well, uh, it's like, well, it, will I have leisure time if I'm not employed because they're doing the <laughs> yeah, thing right, that I was doing? Right. But, you know, I am of the opinion that I don't ever in the near future see them replacing creativity, mm-hmm. the raw creativity that a human being can bring. Right. 
you know, you can something say, like you said, in the style of it, but it's still going to be derivative. You're not going to have some breakout right. new new idea or new well, style come out of AI, I don't think. And I think all jokes aside, the places that it's going to replace first are going to be term lower levels on what I want. But like, okay, let's say for me, the, the thing that it's going to replace first is like basic editing, for example. Like, you know, I added a podcast if it wants to come in and replace the editing that I do, that's great because I, I have no skin in the game, you know, mm -hmm. but if it wants to come in and replace what Ernesto does, that's a bad deal, mm -hmm. you know, but I think that it'll probably start replacing that basic stuff first, right. which the there's not a lot of creativity. Really necessarily, or, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, I mean, cause they already exist. If you go to iMovie is like, would you like to do a smart movie? Yeah. And it's based on what it thinks, what you have as footage, how it knows what right. my narrative right. is. That probably doesn't know what the narrative is. And that's like, so these editor friends that we've been talking to about it is like, well, editing is storytelling. And yeah. so you, you know, there's a flow to that, mm -hmm. that I don't think a, a machine is going to be able to mimic, mimic very easily. Right. Or very, very well. Like think about, you know, you could go to the theater, you're going to start watching holograms. Right. You know, like, is that going to replace the experience? Right. Well, remember how terrified everyone got from computer generated oh, movies? Yeah, 100%. Like people freaked mm -hmm. out it was going to it was going to end actors in Hollywood and that no one was going to get any work and nobody talks about it really anymore. I know? mean, and, and it does exist yeah. and, and but I think but it didn't or, have the impact. It didn't that have the impact because well, it's expensive. now <laughs> the, the, there is a fear and a legitimate fear for actors, especially voice actors is uh if you have enough mm -hmm. vocal uh, input they can just so they could just sure. replace all the vocal actors and like well you know we got this and we can just make them say whatever we want you know so that's scarier to me than i remember you know when they were bringing these cg things i'm like oh well like no there's some stories that people just aren't going to watch animated period mm -hmm. but maybe it's going to be a thing but actors were still getting paid to voice these things, and so it wasn't as big a deal. Well, and like like we said on a discussion we'd had before, it, the main thing is legislation. Like, not just, like, union agreements and stuff. Legislation needs to take place because a city council member number seven should be able to own their voice. It should be their property. No one should be able to use it for anything else. Um, an elementary school teacher should be able to own their voice. Now, if they want it to be used to make some curriculum and stuff, they should be able to say yes, but and, no and one should be able to... recognition for Right, right. Input. Nobody should be able to record them teaching their class for a year and then be like, well, you know, we have your voice and we can tell it to do whatever and we want. And we know what your so, curriculum is now, yeah, but, mm -hmm. you know... But I say the same thing about writing, though. I mean, it's like, I think it should be all... I mean, most of your stuff's copyrighted, right? Mm -hmm. And that copyright should, in my opinion cover you for any you know i mean you probably made some contractual agreements of how how well disney can use these things or whoever you know scholastic or but in general you you don't expect it to be then parsed out to be other projects that you're not getting paid for um well with the stuff that you adapt it's kind of like it lives out there you know yeah. what i mean it's like right. it's already out there mm -hmm. like well and even if you wrote like say you wrote a, a complete novel it's a lot harder to prove, I mean, other than if it's verbatim, it's a lot harder to prove that someone wrote it in your voice than it is if you can take an actual spectrogram of a voice and be like, mm -hmm. no, this is, this, this is their voice. You lifted this voice and then put it together to make other things. So it would, I mean, you almost would need more legislation on something like that, very specific verbiage to say, look, this person owns their style and how do you prove a style? 
You know, it, it, I, I, I make no argument against it. It's just how do you prove? Yeah, that's one well, of those things yeah. with music, yeah. right? That's ways. been a big thing with right with yeah. music. Yeah, and well, but they have gone through that with music. It's like what portion of a song needs to be replicated in order for it to be derivative. I think that's pretty settled law about how many bars of something, you know, or or a specific, if it's a specific short hook, like that's that hook, and if you use it, you are clearly stealing from this other person. So I, I think that part of it can be done fairly easily i think because they they already have plagiarism software for the kids right well yeah yeah, but that's copied verbatim not necessarily some of it's like this is not your voice right well and that's what the the ai as far as students are concerned too right yeah Yeah. and i I guess i've never seen that i'd like to see it work i'd like to see how it like what it says you know because if i'm paraphrasing i mean that's how you do research (laughs) it's not if you well i guess we do have to have my wife on because she will tell you specifically paraphrasing is not research well i mean if you're writing like if you're assigned to write uh uh like a report about something. Sure. You're going to be paraphrasing it. Like that's how you do research for your report. You're not going out as a, a 15 year old and no, like, doing like all right, I need to test this for its alkalinity and see what it actually is. You know, right. it's like, no, tell us about the alkalinity of sedimentary rock. It's like, okay, well sedimentary rock gets its alkalinity from blah, 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 blah. You, you know that because you read it somewhere. Right. And this is for more longer essays than say a short answer, you know, give me a, a report on so-and-so's life and the impact of their work. And, you know, they can, they can look at input some of their previous writing and go, uh, yeah, that's, this, this is not the same style at all. And then, then they'll double check it on plagiarism sites and go, yeah, well, this, this oh, that's incredibly like unreliable though, because I know if you were to look at my, uh, like my writer's voice from a research paper from like my junior in high school to my senior in high school, one year, I'm going to sound completely different. Possibly. I mean, it's no, not, no, undeniably. No, I, but I, I'm just saying as a general say, that's possible. It's not the be all. But that's what I'm just trying just to figure out how they know you failed. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's just a screening process so that if they do come across and it is dramatically different, they can go, uh, can we see your work? I just, I gave it to you. You just ran it through the thing. <laughs> can you say that? Tell me in your own words what it says. You know, that yeah, type I of wrote thing. It, right? yeah. No, but yeah, but they would you know, repeat it. But. I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to repeat it. This isn't speech class. <laughs> Guess what? Life's rough. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so is there any uh, dream projects? Any anything you've been uh itching to any dream projects? Yeah. Huh? I guess just you know, I um the one one of the things I'm working on, I want to finish. Like yeah. that's you know, that's, so that's, that's all that's, you have to say. Yeah, exactly. yeah. you're you're working on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. Which um, is great to be working on what you want to work on. Right. Yeah. What's that like? I wouldn't even know how that felt. <laughs> you're doing it right now, buddy. Oh shoot, that's right. <laughs> I'm doing it right now, buddy. Hooray! <laughs> so you know, you talked a little bit about like writing for yourself, writing things that. Are, are your own IP. I don't want you to like tip your hand and be like, well, this is what I'm working on. And now people will hold you accountable for it. But, or that's but, a great idea. But where, where can people, where can people read some stuff that you've written? That's yours. Uh, nothing. You know what? I don't have anything published. That's not okay. based on something. Somebody hired me to write. So we can look forward to it then once yeah, we see it, that's going to be a thing that yeah. like, we'd be like, wow. She, yeah. she did it, and right. this is it, and we're finally because getting to see it. Because even the stuff, even the produced stuff, that was with a partner. So it's not, I mean, maybe that's well, one of that's... the things that, you know, is a little bit hard for me adapting so much. And like, you mm-hmm. know, like you were talking about earlier, like your voice, your voice. Like right. I have a, you know, I, I love talking to 
people who want to write or who are starting to write and give them, you know, inspiration for finding their own voice. But, you know, you're doing I'm doing a lot of adapting. So but that is not I mean, we've talked to some people that have been screenwriters and a lot of times they'll get handed Mm -hmm. previous work. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like this magic bullet that you're doing one form or another that That's they'll true. you're just because I got a friend who's in his now in his 60s and has finally written his own first novel that is all his own work mm-hmm. you know and that's what he's been working on for a long time that that doesn't diminish the other work at all but it's he's saying your own voice come, sometimes is misleading because there are so many collaborative forces in every right, and form even, you know right and even when I was doing original stuff I was like Lots of times, like you said, pitched or like, mm-hmm. we want you to do it this way. So it's yeah. not, yeah. when you're writing, I mean, working on this book that I'm working on, it's really, there's nobody telling me what to do. But, this is the probably the first time ever. But, <laughs> well, and you will be getting notes from an editor when you Later, get one. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, even right. then you'll be like, well... Yes. Yeah. Not, very rarely does anybody go, oh, that's the perfect book. Of <laughs> Thank course. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that book, and I right. will publish it now. No, yeah. of course. But, but I mean, even when you wrote with a partner, that was unique IP, though, right? You yeah. Were, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even that would be, like, I, I, I wouldn't discount that at all as being a original. No, I mean, know. Sue has a movie. Yeah, I have a movie. What is it? We had we had some funny, we had some, we had fun. Like, it was, it was really fun collaborating with someone for comedy because we would just make each other laugh yeah we were younger it was like whatever what's stupid you're an idiot you know it was just (laughs) like so we we had a good time doing that yeah because we were just talking about the uh uh, channel 101 guys i don't know if you know who that is but that's the the people that did yacht rock oh okay the the yacht rock videos and it's dan Harmon, it's Mm -hmm. justin roland i mean and what they turned into past that but i mean that's all it was and it was be like you in your basement or Mm -hmm. be like you know it's just that that type of writing where it's just like there's no barriers and what's what's funny that makes me laugh yeah right Yeah. yeah Which, gosh, it, it would be so great if that's just how it always was, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because that's, you know, when I got into money, comedy, money brings and, in the other yeah. part. Yeah. It's a, yeah. You know, but when I got into stand up comedy, I was like, I just want to make people laugh, man. Mm-hmm. And then I got, I was just getting out when it started to get really tough to be a stand up comic because every, it was, everything was under a microscope. And if you said the wrong thing at the wrong times, like you were just done. So I'm kind of glad I got out when I did, but like it would have broke my heart because I'm like, look, man, I'm just trying to make people laugh. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I might say the wrong thing. Like that doesn't mean I mean it, you right. know? And, and so like, that's what it should be about. Like if you're being genuine and having fun and somebody's going to laugh and somebody's going to enjoy it. So you can look up Sue's work on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Or, um, any bookstores. Website. I don't have a website. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe know. you can find the movie on Amazon as well. Wieners. Wieners. Sold. <laughs> It's a road trip movie. Oh, you had me at Wieners. So it was, it was built for writing that way, you know. Like we, we, you can, you can tell. Oh, they just were like having a great time writing this movie. It's, we were talking about that when we were watching uh, Yacht Rock last night. I was like, these guys are having fun. Like that made it. That 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 made up for any place that I, it was just kind of like, ah, come on, because it was like, but that moment fell flat. But they were having they fun were having doing fun. it. You can so, tell they enjoyed so it. So yeah, it's a win 100%. in my book. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Wieners. I can't wait. Wieners. I can't wait. Wieners. Wieners. <laughs> I wrote it down. I remember, too, when we talked about that title, my writing partner was like, really? 
Yeah, wieners. <laughs> Do it. It's perfect. Yeah. That, the inspiration was he tried to get the internship with the Wienermobile. Oh, and yeah, he, yeah. he wanted it so badly and he got rejected. And so the whole thing came from that. <laughs> I just, we were on vacation and we saw it and I was like, this, this like date kind of dates us. Like, I'm like, girls, it's the Wienermobile. And they're like, the what? And I was like, the Wienermobile. And they're like, I don't even understand what that means. I was like, look at your window. It's a giant wiener. <laughs> and they're like, why? And I'm like, <laughs> you mean that hot dog? Yeah, like, you don't understand what it's like to be alive. Just yeah. Go back to your. Did screens. they look up? Right, they were just looking down. No, there. they looked like, up, but they were just like, "Why would anybody drive a hot dog, Dad?" And I'm like, "Cause it's, it's awesome. Gone. Why would you not <laughs> want to? Why, do why that? wouldn't you? Like, I there two cars I want to drive in life: Kit from Knight Rider and the Wienermobile. <laughs> I cannot decide which one I want to drive more. And the they're Wiener- hard to park, though. The Wienermobile, you yeah. know, it's hard to parallel park the Wienermobile, but yeah. It's got to have a horn that's like. Uh, it has to. Does it? I yeah, I don't know if it's, it it's the to. General Lee, but yeah. No, uh, that's that's. Okay, not to get your horn straight. Don't be ignorant. Jeez, that's ignorant. That's ignorant. That's ignorant. That's ignorant. <sighs> I just got all worked up and sweaty over the Wienermobile. You're just yeah. excited. Oh, yeah, it, doesn't, it really doesn't take much. I'm just some Midwestern boy out here in the Los Angeles. <laughs> Just getting excited over the wiener mobiles. <laughs> well, Sue, thank you for, for coming out and talking to us about what it is you do. It's been very, very enlightening and entertaining. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people understand what it is to do what a lot of people do anyway. So yeah, pulling that back and understanding is what this podcast is a little bit about. No, I definitely learned a ton and I hope you had a good time. I hope you had fun. I yeah, it was weren't. fun. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much, Sue, and thank you for what you do. 